Welcome to the Gather Influence podcast. It is our great honor to welcome you into some of the most catalytic conversations happening in our nation around the female voice. My name is Vanessa Hoyes from Montreal and my co-host Kathy Ostapchuk from Toronto and I have the privilege of leading Gather Women. This movement will exist until the female voice can be heard loud and clear in every sphere of influence across our nation. So we invite you into these conversations and we pray they will mobilize you personally, you the listener, you the influencer to champion truth, challenge inequity and in turn change our nation and change our world. We hope you enjoy today's episode. I'm so excited to welcome you to this episode of the Gather Influence podcast, along with my co-host, Vanessa Hoyes. There will be two of us in the room, and we are welcoming another great friend of ours, Anne Miranda. And we're going to be talking about the power of the feminine voice in the church. I want to tell you a little bit about Anne in case you don't know her. She's amazing. Anne's greatest passion is sharing the good news of Jesus and his teachings. And she's currently the pastor of Women's Ministries at Village Church in Canada. She also loves to develop leaders in vocational ministry through a network she co-founded called Leverage, as well as through the Canadian Christian Leaders Network, CCLN where she participates on the Pastoral Advisory Committee. And through these ministries, leaders are equipped with practical resources inspired by the Word of God and connect with like-minded leaders of leaders. Anne is also heavily involved as a board member of Ally Global, an organization that focuses on empowering women and children who have been rescued from sex trafficking by providing safety and education. Born and raised in a Lebanese heritage, Anne understands the challenges and beauty of being first-generation Canadian, and her personal background is rooted in social justice. She developed crime prevention programs for youth under the Attorney General's Office in British Columbia. She also loved her time in the classroom as an educator, teaching high school Spanish and English literature. She is married to Carlos, and they are parents to Nathaniel and Hannah. So that is the black and white about Anne, but you'll hear through this conversation, her vivacious personality, her great love for Jesus and her influence in actually raising the female voice in the church in Canada. She's an amazing leader, a great friend, not only to me personally and Vanessa, but together. Excited for you to lean into this conversation. Thanks for joining us. Well, I'm so excited to invite you all to this episode of the Gather Influence podcast. Vanessa and I today have the pleasure of having a conversation with Anne Miranda all the way from Surrey, BC. And Vanessa's coming from Montreal and I'm coming from my home office in Oakville. So here we are together on one screen, on one airwave, and we're excited to have a conversation with Anne. So you've heard about her a little bit in the intro, but Anne, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. This is really exciting to have this conversation. I just feel like we're sitting at the table with a cup of coffee and everybody gets to listen in. That's right. We are at the table. And so I want to start out by asking you to introduce yourself and maybe share something with us and our audience that you think that we may not know or might surprise us. Yeah, well, I grew up in a Middle Eastern home but I don't really speak Arabic, funny enough. I can understand a little bit, but I speak Spanish fluently. And I was a Spanish teacher for over 15 years. 
and served within like the Spanish community, loved working with new immigrants, loved the music, loved the culture, uh, but learned Spanish before I met my very romantic husband who is Latino. So fun fact, I speak Spanish. <laughs> That's a long-winded way to say that, but I love it. And really my growing up experience as a Christian uh, was primarily within a Spanish-speaking uh, community and, in a, in a church out here in uh, Vancouver. Yeah, that's fascinating. The most fascinating thing is that you have a very romantic husband. I mean, thanks for sharing. Oh, over the I never knew that. It's quite funny. It's really oh, that's good. great. That's so good. So we're talking about the feminine voice. We're talking about voice in general, but particularly the feminine voice. And we're talking about it right here, right now. It's been quite uh, a year behind us or two with, you know, the Me Too movement and a lot of uh, recognition that how women respond, how our voices are used or silenced, how we've been, even been carrying the weight of so much in COVID has come into the sight line of so many people. So we're having a lot more conversations about it. And we're having conversations, perhaps not as much, about the feminine voice in the church. And I've seen you, I've known you for about four or five years, Anne, and I've seen your voice and your presence sort of steadily rise in the church and expand, like amplify. I've been in the room with you and you've been on the platform and been just like totally wowed by the combination of a really clear message and also the competence to deliver that. So I'm a fan, obviously. But you've also been positioned with authority by your leadership at your church. And it's kind of a phenomenal uh, thing to watch you sort of like walk in this destiny. And I guess I wanted you to share what your journey, what your take is on your journey over the last season or two. Yeah, I believe that if I, if I look back, because I'm in my 40s. So if I look back at my life, even as a kid and start to put connect the dots you remember those old connect the dot sheets that you used to get in school or in those fun books as kids so i start to connect the dots going really far back like eight years old where someone saw me in a little my teacher saw me in my classroom and and just took a minute that half a half a minute probably to say the sentence you're a great writer and then follow that up with oh, you communicate really well here and this little story about the puppy dog. And something started to cultivate at that point. And if I fast forward to probably around 13, where uh, I had a great opportunity to work alongside um, one of our leaders in our provincial government under the attorney general's office. All this time, I'm not a Christian, guys. I'm not, I'm not a believer. It's just God's divine plan where he put those dots and I'm now looking back and connecting them and this woman looking at me and going oh okay you have there's some potential here I see this spark uh let's you come and work with me under my wing and I start working with government at 13 doing crime prevention programs getting really passionate about social justice and having opportunities I would have never even dreamt of having uh and then as a young adult coming to know Jesus and really, that's where the social justice stuff, everything began to really make sense and have a deeper purpose. If, if I connect my ministry opportunities now to what God was doing way back when, I see that his fingerprints are all over it, that he's the one who had the plan that directed 
this little girl's life to go, yeah, I was training you up. You didn't even realize I had you going to, had he had been going to, to school for education and curriculum development. I didn't know I'd be writing Bible studies or thinking about like, what does the learner want to really know? How does a learner learn? How does a student learn? Like all of that, nothing was wasted. And so I believe a lot of the development, my own life happened outside of the church walls. And he so graciously called me to, to serve him in this stage of my life. Wow. That's so interesting that your development was outside of the church walls, but fully prepared you for life inside the church walls. And I guess I wanted to kind of relate that to the concept of a glass ceiling. There is a statistic, and I hope I can put this in the show notes, that says that a woman will often lose a lot of their self-esteem within a year of moving from a marketplace ministry to a ministry or church area of service and so I wonder what that has been like for you yeah absolutely Kathy I think uh within the first couple of years so I knew I knew that I knew that I knew that God called me out of marketplace out of that corporate um in education and all uh kind of where I was positioned to now begin just serving laying down my life for him in a different way because I I believe I was serving him still in the, in the marketplace and as the light there and a voice and and evangelizing like crazy and it was just on mission but when he said hey lay down this part of your like career path and come and invest your life and your gifts here in my vocational ministry it was a hard thing to do I am not going to say that that was easy that was a very difficult thing to do because I I like the trajectory that I was on. Um, and so to pivot so sharp, this was a sharp turn. I was like, okay, this is a massive step of obedience. But those first couple of years, uh, I definitely knew that I was ill-equipped, that I didn't have the skill set that some of my colleagues had. I didn't go to seminary. My qualifications were, I love Jesus and I love the people that I serve. Here I am, <laughs> where everybody else had a, I'm an academic, but I didn't have the qualifications for this particular role. Um, others had gone to, they get to school and had felt a little bit more equipped or I did leadership things, but it was in the corporate. It wasn't in ministry. I, it was so unfamiliar territory. And I think that's where the lack of confidence began to creep in and the whispers of the enemy began to be very weighty uh, and really paralyzing my voice where in the marketplace that would have never been a thing. I walk into a room with not just confidence, just it, there's, there's a confidence, but like, I know I'm the boss right now and that I can do this, but in my own strength, a lot of that work was in my own knowledge, in my own, like this, the preparation, a lot of it was in my own strength. And here I come into ministry. There's no way you could walk into a hospital room, pray for somebody. And it's because of your own strength that that miracle is going to happen. Or you're talking to people's marriages breaking apart and it's some, you know, counseling session or some kind of stat that I'm going to throw out to them in my own knowledge. It wasn't about knowledge. It was about the power of the Holy Spirit working through our lives, my life in that, in these moments 
to bring a message of hope to people. And so I think part of the lack of confidence wasn't just that I didn't go to school for it, but that this type of dedication and work is not work. It's a calling to say, Lord, here I am, I'm a vessel, use me. And it has nothing to do with me. I'm just gonna open my mouth and see what you do through my life in this moment. So the confidence is, I think it really, I say that I had a confidence crisis, but I, I would say even in the last year, God just going, this is not about you. A new, fresh revelation that would give me boldness like never before. Thing, I've empowered you with the Holy Spirit. I've equipped you to do this work. The, I have works that I've prepared for you to complete. Just be obedient in them and stop overthinking things because your confidence is in me, not in yourself. That's super freeing, extremely freeing. I love that. I didn't, I didn't even realize you would go there, but I would love to bring Vanessa in right here because she often says this very thing. It's about you, but it's not about you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a phrase that I raised my kids with and they wouldn't share. <laughs> it's like that, you know, scarcity versus abundance and like God so wanted you he actually loves that you are making a difference because that also is something that, you know, he loves you enough that it could be just for you, but it's not just for you either. It's that kind of, you know, favor on you. And, and so I really appreciate hearing what you're saying. I have a question about it though, purely for someone that, you know, sometimes you do say, oh, because it's in the church or because it's ministry I don't, I need it to be more of God because I may feel ill-equipped. And I think that would be the majority of our stories about serving God in that vocational way. But what about where you do know like that strength, you know, or that when you have that sense of actually this is a gift that God has given me and a strength that God has given me. And it's a, we call it like a grace zone, right? But um, I've always been able to communicate. So I think the I used to wrestle out, I'm good at communicating, therefore it must be of God because I'm good at it, you know what I mean? Or that, that kind of sense of speaking to that because you've also brought your gifts and your strengths into um, this ministry role too. How do you reconcile that balance of humility versus confidence in what is of God in you? Yeah, I think one of the resources that I landed on, it must be a couple of years now, was Developing Female Leaders by Katie Cole. And when I read that, all of it resonated. And I went, oh, I'm not the only one was the first thing. And why in the world is this happening in the church was the second thing. Yeah. Was like, why is this confidence? Why did I not have a confidence crisis before? Why is it here? Like, what part of this is a spiritual attack? What part of it is my own thoughts spin spiraling? Oh, what part of it is I'm supposed to fulfill this? I'm sensing that God's called me, and and there's obviously something that's pulling me away. Is it me, or is it really the enemy? I have lots of discernment yeah. that needed to happen and sifting through when I after reading that. Um, and I heard her on a podcast and I was like, oh my goodness, what is happening here? But uh, what, what I realized is awaken something in me to reflect, who am I? What are my gifts? Yeah. Let's 
And I had a half hour coaching call with somebody who I didn't even know. And she's going like, do you actually know your gifts? Like, are you a communicator? Can you confidently just say that? Yes, I am a communicator. No, no, no. She's like, like, are you, do you have a gift to communicate? Is it writing? Is it speaking? Is it, what is it? And then, and then really just wrestling with myself at that point, I know who I am. Yeah. I know that I'm wired like this and being able to admit to myself, like I, I like writing. So I was writing things down. What are my gifts? What are things that got, not just how God has, he's wired me like that, but letting myself admit it to myself. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And so as I was admitting to myself, yes, I love to bake. I am a gatherer. I love to have people around me. I know when I step into the room, I can find that awkward person and make them feel comfortable. I can, I know that myself more. So perhaps it's by knowing who God is that helped me actually know myself more. I think that's like Augustine or somebody smart that said that. And they, something where it's like, I can look at myself in the mirror and go, yeah, I know I love people unashamedly I love people so I'm going to see the gold in them all the time where my colleagues could go look actually have you like I'm a little bit worried that you're putting that person as a volunteer like no let me develop them it's okay if we fail along the way it's okay well I'll know how we'll figure it out (laughs) like I was I know that I'm a risk taker and that's okay you know so there is this point where I needed to come into my own and go, all right, what does this look like within my church, within this ministry God's called me to within the nation? Cause I have a massive heart for the nation. So again, unashamedly, I love this country and I want to be able to serve it. And so I can't be limited to not do that. <laughs> so I needed to write myself a note. <laughs> go, all right, Anne. This is okay, because this is God's wiring on you. I also, through that process, realized I like to start things, develop people, and release them. And then I'll go start something else. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. It's just knowing who I am. So there's a, that's a very, you know, big answer to something that took a lot of time, like years to get to. Yeah, I love that. It's, I think Stephen Colby calls it unwrapping your birthright gifts. And very often as women, we expect somebody else to come and, you know, tell us who we need to be and in what season. And you're just saying it was so important for you to do that work yourself. You also talked about voice paralysis, which was so interesting that you said that, you know, I talk about women self-silencing their voice often. And I wonder in an environment where there's both men and women working side by side in the church, how did that relate to your lack of confidence or increase your confidence in that kind of environment? Yeah, I can say the guys that I work with and have worked with in ministry have been nothing but champions of me. They've been my biggest cheerleaders along the way just calling out giftings and I've had multiple supervisors multiple people that I've been able to work alongside with and and I say under in leadership and every single one will will notice something different uh and say yeah that that's a great gift that you have the fact that you can develop leaders the fact that you can bring together volunteers can you teach our team how to do this or 
Is there something that you, you're so passionate about? Can we invest in you so that you can develop that even more? Like I've never felt stifled. So really the stifling came from within. So I like that you, that you mentioned that, that it was definitely self-silencing. Absolutely. That's my part of my story. Uh, but as for working alongside, I think that we need each other so much. We need each other's voices. We need each other's experiences. Each one of us brings something so different to the table. Even if we had like five women and five men, every single one is different. It's, it's not like a gender thing even at the end of the day. It's what each one brings. And it is so different. I am extroverted. I've got women on our team that are introverts and they're so strategic in their planning that we need each other. I need them and they need me. So it's not a, even a gender thing. It's that it's a gifting. It's we've got different gifts. We're the body. Therefore we work best when we're all together. Yeah, I love that. Love that. We often walk into a room apologizing first for what we don't have instead of like walking in boldly and saying, this is what I can offer you. This is how I can serve this team best, which really requires that strong self-awareness. I know they say that a man will look at a job description and apply for the job if he meets 50% of the criteria, but a woman will look at the same job description and not apply unless she meets 100% of the criteria. And we're so hard on ourselves. So I love hearing that, you know what, you have to have that confidence and write yourself a note if that's what it takes. Totally. Totally. Well, we're trying to hire right now over 20 people on, uh, to our staff and we are massively trying to look for women to add to our staff team. And I would agree with that step. Super difficult. If they even open the job description, we disqualify ourselves before we even try to apply. Meanwhile, the people on the other side are saying, please apply, somebody apply and let's help develop you in the areas that you think you, we are weaker in. You know, if I want to learn more about how to be a strategic planner, I can take a workshop, but I can't teach something like really character building that comes with time. But I think that if we find people, and I always say this to my leadership, you take a chance, I wasn't qualified, but you saw character there. You saw love for Jesus. And that's where he said, come, I'm inviting you to, the, to have a seat at the table and we can work through the rest. I can learn theology. I can learn uh, you know, what the greatest leadership principle is this month. I can learn those things, but I love for Jesus. That's real. That's deep. That's so personal. Well, I know Vanessa has raised and released hundreds of leaders uh, as you've church planted all over the world, Vanessa. And I guess I want to talk a little bit about both your perspectives on identifying gifted, maybe females in your, in your sphere of influence and raising them and releasing. What's that process like? Maybe Vanessa, you can kind of lead into that. Uh, it's, first of all, I love what you're saying um, and about that there's say jobs for example on offer and you're actively looking for the females i i love i think when we go um it's so weird that we've got to actively in the church look for the females i like that is the you know it that the, the larger church right and so 
we definitely grew up in a in a different environment so Canada like I I didn't realize the context although I now know in Australia it is the same as well but it was like the joke used to be that you know God God told our pastor back in the day about a female for a key role um that's the right man for the job (laughs) and he says like he literally says I, it was a joke. It was the Lord being tongue in cheek with him, right? Because he had no female staff yet. But he said, I do wonder sometimes based on my reality at the time, whether he actually just needed to get my attention and say the word man. And of course it was a female he was looking at, but that began the, the you know, the what I would feel like a lot of freedom when it came to right person for the job kind of things. But the raising and releasing, I would say for sure, there's this way of um, the same way your teacher just said, you're good at that. Like you're good at that. You know, here in Canada, I'm going to be honest, and I think we could have an honest conversation. I don't know why. Sometimes when I speak into what I see in someone, I get accused of it being hype or I get accused of it being like, um, you're all about my, who, this is lately what I get actually to be. And I think it's the exhaustion of pandemic. So some of the feedback I get around the raising and releasing is you often speak into who I could become and you're not speaking into like my right now. So as a leader, I'm wrestling out like, wow. So to this person, it makes you feel like, oh, whereas I'm like, oh, I see this on you. I believe this about you. Whereas they're kind of saying this general, and I would hear it more from this generation, actually, like the millennial gen. And I don't, actually, I don't want to generalize, but I've just, I've been kind of shocked to hear more. When you speak like that to me, what if you're not going to accept me for who I am right now, right? So this raising, releasing, I'm wrestling at, that I don't think it's a Canadian thing. It could be a season thing. It could be a, oh man, everyone's just exhausted thing. Do I want to think about who I could become, right? So I'm actually just receiving from this podcast today the reminder again that teacher didn't say you could be a good or you might be this in your future. She said, you're good at. I've got a takeaway today from this like, Maybe it's not about just what I see. Maybe I hold and hide in my heart what I see on them or in them, but I keep speaking into the very current strength that they have. So this has actually been a moment for me too because I've been really trying to wrestle out why is that exhausting for people right now? That's really special. I think that it's encouraging for folks to hear their current moment, like what's happening in the present. Uh, perhaps they feel a burden about their future and how do I get there? What do I do? What I have to do to get there? Yes. And God's just saying, you don't have to do anything. You just got to keep in the lane and one baby step after another. Yeah. I think for us, what I've realized for uh, developing and releasing is that there's a lot to do. And I have a list of a ton of things that we can do, but what I've tried to slow down in is when someone either comes, approaches me or I approach someone in their desire because they want to serve is to listen. And as I'm listening, not have my to-do list, uh, all the things they could fill, all the roles they could fill, but to try to listen to them and where their passions are and what they, they're like, yeah, I really just want to serve the homeless in my community. Meanwhile, I need someone on the social media team. Yeah. 
And I'm like, okay, this is not the right person. They have the entire skill set. They have the, all the, the check marks are there, but they don't have the passion. Not once have they talked about social media as their passion. They just want to be on the streets serving the people. I'm like, all right, let me help you get there. Yeah. And I think that's what my realized my role is to really equip the saints. And if they're saying this is what they're passionate about, then awesome. What happens is though, it takes a really long time to fill those other roles, but I'm believing that God will bring those people and he totally has so faithful, but uh, having the skill set and the passion also seeing people that are, I think um, in their thirties and forties and saying they would like to serve in some way or there, I feel like there's an awakening happening in the yeah. church for sure. People going, I don't want to waste my life. I have women in their fifties actually a lot yep. now coming and saying, I want to spend the next half of my life really serving God. Where, where do you see now that question is, where do you see me? Yeah. Cause now they want to me to say, where do you see me? Okay. Uh, this is what I see then in you, yeah. you have on all the things that I'm, I'm seeing. And would you consider prayerfully consider these, these roles or mentoring some young women or whatever it is, but my goodness, that was not the case. Like before, I feel that that's definitely also a pandemic thing where people are evaluating their life and saying, where do I fit in this big, big God story? Yeah, we, I mean, our internship programs over the last 20 years, they've always had 60 year olds, 50 year olds, 40 year olds, and, you know, 20 year olds. And those six year olds, we just spent our leadership, you know, decade as church planters We're on the Gold Coast with we knew we wanted to keep planning more churches. We just didn't think it would be us going right this time around. So we were always like refirement, refirement years, not retirement years, refirement years, right? So, I mean, we still have people that come over from Australia in their retirement years that, you know, have helped us plant for a year, a beautiful couple in their late 50s, early 60s that went, we'll give time to this. And so I feel it more and more in that that awakening for sure and for the women as well I I can sense that hunger for it so just maybe speak for a moment the tension then between the social media need and the you know desire and passion point in someone um there's those two extremes of thinking which is I'm going to go for all your passion and all your you know where your passion just follow the passion and then the opposite was, you know, do this job because gift, if you've got a gift, it's like whatever's in your hand, God will give you what's in your heart. Like there's a bit of that culture too. And then there's a beautiful balance of both. But the tension of the now this need is not, be, the gap's not being filled and that um, we don't want to manipulate people, that kind of like we don't want to, you know that, you know how we process yeah. all that. How do you balance that out? Well, there, there's some um, roles that need hard skills. That's what I'm realizing. But teams pre, this is interesting, pre-pandemic where we're more, oh, this person's hospitable. They've got a warm smile on their face. They're going to see, they'll be at the door greeting. And that's who I was looking for from the majority of teams. Now the shift is people that have, can you write? 
Can you write a great <laughs> sentence? Can you write a caption for an Instagram post? Can you, can you take a good picture? Do you know anything about algorithms? Because this is not my forte. Like all of those hard skills have come to, come to the surface. However, those are not the preachers and the teachers that have a message. They've got hard skills. So I'm seeing a blend of the both coming together where there are sometimes these, the, these voices that we have that have an incredible message to give. And then these other, mostly younger women that have a skill set to offer. And they're like, can I help elevate the message? Let me help you take this message to the next level. Let me help you. That woman who's been faithful mentoring uh, young adults at her table for the last 30 years, like she's got something to say she's no knowledge of social media but let's record this piece let's get that message out and the young adults are all over that so I can see this marriage of the two the the beauty of the multi-generations coming to the table the ones that have the hard skills and the ones that are more spiritual and mature maybe in some ways coming to work together I never would have imagined this ever, 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 that this is what we would be doing right now. And it's gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, that word unimaginable is what we're living in, but God knew and he's using it. I want to talk a little bit about the female voice and some of what you said really backs up the fact that very few people come to us females and say, well, what do you really want? <laughs> it's like, what, what do we need? You know, maybe I can slot you in here. But ask, being asked, well, what do you really want? I know any time that I've been asked that, I go like, what do you mean? What do I want? It's I'm here to, to get you what you want. And I sense that this awakening that you referred to is giving us permission to ask that question, not only go to the source of our identity, explore our gifting, but ask, what do we really want? And there is a female voice that has gifting in the areas that are more public like the messaging the preaching the teaching the communicating that means that they have to show up and be pretty clear about who they are what they've been gifted with and what they really want to do in terms of delivering that message and we have taken this idea of platform or the female voice saying oh it's just a platform thing you deliver a message or a speak and you just have to be a really great communicator. But I'm talking about someone's message being her life. And she has a great passion and a great call to deliver that. How easy is that? What are some of the challenges to that that you've seen in your world and even in your life? Yeah, I think it's like that song. If I tell you my story, I tell of him. I don't, I don't even know who sang it, but it's a really great line. There's so many examples of this in scripture. I'm going to be like preacher right now for a minute. But the, the Samaritan woman didn't go get a degree and have some kind of Instagram account or whatever. This is like, she was at the well. And that encounter with the Messiah changed her life. And so she went and told the world her story. Her world was Samaria. Her world was her town. And everybody came to know him. It's just simple. We overcomplicate it. This is whether it's a North American perspective we put on it, our Western ideologies, our current moment in time. We're putting all these kind of expectations that are not what God really wants of us. I think Jesus would have supported any one of us that says, you want to go tell your story? Tell your story. 
It's not about financial gain for her. It wasn't about any other things that she was going. She just said, I met a man that told me everything that I've done in my life. And I want you to know he is the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. So many of us have been waiting for him in our lives. We encounter him and then we start to complicate things. How am I going to get my story? How am I going to share about him? Has he called me? What does he want from me? How am I going to write a book? Am I going to start a podcast? What am I going to just stop it and go to the neighborhood and tell them your story. People need to know Jesus. Let that be the intention, the primary intention. And for me, I never... I didn't think about, cause I didn't know all of these nuances within Christian denominations. And I had no foreknowledge of the divisions and the ideas that people had about the role of women in church. And so I met Christ and started to tell my story. Very similar. That's why I love that Samaritan woman story so much. Uh, and so I would tell them on the street, I would tell them I'm sitting on the bus, I'd be sitting on the sky train out here in BC and like see a girl that's, or a guy who's all tattooed everywhere, we'd start talking about Jesus. It was that was like that first love. And as that love matured, now being able to share my story on different platforms, uh, I think the power comes in the fact that he's redeemed us. And I love Isaiah 61, because he's exchanged my ashes for beauty and my shame for honor and if we tell of that story it's irresistible for people to come to know Jesus and so I have a real uh, conviction to start local start with our families which is a very hard place to start in our neighborhoods in our communities in our church and just just be human with people that's what the Samaritan woman did she like ran off and just shared her story and lives are transformed. So that would be my, my tip is let's not overcomplicate it. Just tell your story. That's pretty countercultural. And I think it's magic because sometimes we have, you know, starry eyes set on the platform or the, the audience or what am I going to preach on? What am I going to teach on? Whereas you're just saying my life, I'm going to tell you about my life and I can take that everywhere. I can take it on the bus like you did. And I heard you actually preach that sermon at your village women's conference. I believe that was the one and the power and the impact of that. But I could see it would, would have the same power, whether there was one person in the room that you were meeting with. And so I really am so grateful to you for bringing up that very simple inspirational and truthful fact your story is your life just go tell your story that's that's very freeing that's very freeing yeah i love it um you sort of touched on it i kind of wanted to get to this core of what we're talking about which is the feminine voice the beauty of it the uniqueness of it and then how jesus honored it you've sort of shared about it but what do you feel is so unique about the feminine voice? Yeah, I think that as I'm studying through scripture and seeing how Jesus interacted with women, even, uh, I, I think he, now he was doing something very countercultural. So I grew up in a Middle Eastern home. The stereotype is that it's supposed to be patriarchal and that dad is like the man of the house and that he's like, you know, his word is the last, like all of those stereotypes. 
that was not my house. If anything, it was my mom that was putting these stereotypes on me. Why aren't you cooking in the kitchen with me? Well, you don't even know how to make hummus. Now I know how to make it. But I, he was like, no, she wants to be an academic. She wants to learn, you know, go do whatever you want to do. And he was really uh, a countercultural in like my life. So when I read the stories of Jesus, I'm like, oh, he's breaking a lot of rules. Oh my goodness. He's speaking to women. Oh, he's got women as disciples, as his students. And it was like taboo back then. Oh my goodness. This is, he had them, you know, traveling with him. Like all of these things are, are like eye-opening to me that he would treat women differently thousands of years ago. And today where we have all the freedom culturally speaking, politically, even in some ways, um, we oppress women in the church that I could not, this was one of my like, I can't believe this is happening moments as I began to study denominations in the church and how the female voice was silenced because of an interpretation of scripture. And so uh, it doesn't actually make me like angry. And I know there's a lot of people that get very angry about this. It makes me sad to think that people uh, would not value the female voice simply because she's female, not even considering her giftings or how she is treasured or how God creator, God made her the pinnacle of creation. And creation wasn't complete without the female voice. It's not elevated, not more than man, but esteemed, valued, loved. Ah, so that, that I think Jesus would support us looking at the female voice with value. And it's not that every single female is supposed to go and like preach the message and, you know, that she's got that anointing on her to be a teacher and preacher. It's like to each one, she's got a special gift. And so just value her and her giftings and, and appreciate that part of her as we would with a man. I have a son and a daughter. So if I look at both, they are not the same. They're not, they're not the same giftings. They're not the same uh, personalities. They're so different, but I need to celebrate both and love on both and develop both and celebrate and, uh, and correct both and, and be able to just allow them both to flourish. It wouldn't be fair for me to just invest in one and not the other as a parent. Oh, so I don't understand it. I'm still studying it and I'm trying to figure it out in some ways, but I believe it's a, it's a heart issue. It's a sin issue that's at the core, possibly a pride issue, but I'm, I'm in this deep study right now of just looking through from Genesis to revelation and then looking historically on how did we get here, God? Cause I don't think this is your heart. And I love his word and I want to be obedient to it. And I know my brothers and sisters who are obedient to have such a zeal that would disagree with my opinion. I want to respect them and be at the table and have these great conversations, um, deep conversations, because I know we all want to be true to the word. We all do. And just casting that light on if as a parent, God would want the same for us, that same equality, you know, that we're different, but in beautifully um, compatible ways that he would want the same for both of us. So both male and female. So to be underrepresented, under celebrated, even 
and to have our stories told in Sunday school rooms and not in pulpits is something that you and I and Vanessa and the spheres of influence that we have in our own families and going out, we can perhaps start to change the narrative. And not just because we have an opinion, but because you're doing the work of going back to Genesis to Revelation and seeing, okay, what does the Bible really say? Who are these women? Where did they show up and why? And that really is the basis of all of the truth, all of the, all of the truths that we tend to live our lives by will come from being engaged in the theology and not just getting it from someone else, but doing the work for ourselves. And we can read it in a book. You know, we can, we can read two books on the same subject. And like you said, there'll be two different points of view. But when we say we can ask for wisdom, open the scriptures ourselves, and what does it mean for us? And I do believe that women that find the answers to what they're searching for in scripture, the Holy Spirit will guide they will act out of what they believe in the self-silencing and the paralysis of voice and the lack of confidence is because we just really don't believe we have inherent value and equal value. So you've said some pretty powerful things and you've said them in a very loving and gracious way. And I really want to say thank you for that. <laughs> um, Vanessa, maybe just hear from you on any closing thoughts. And then Anne, I'm going to ask you just for a closing thought any last word of encouragement to a woman out there who's still testing like you are like they you, you've gone deep into it now like you're all there you're all in you know and probably a book is coming I'm sure a book is coming out of this but there are women that are just stepping their toe into the waters and saying can I should I do I really have what it takes and is there a chance that I could really walk the path that would give me great joy. So I'd love to hear your final words of encouragement on that, Vanessa, and then Anne. Pre-podcast, we had this conversation, we started this conversation. So I know our time's coming to an end. So it might be another podcast, but we were just talking about then some of the challenges when you serve God full-time in the church, right? As then in our womanhood. So even some of our, the mothering um, side of who we are. And I want to wrap up what we're saying to that point. I, I said I'd share on this podcast what someone said to me. I think sometimes our fear in serving God in that way and seeing our gifts used in that way full time or, you know, just serving in the church, volunteering in the church over and above whatever else we do. As a woman and then say mother, I think sometimes spiritual or natural mother to that maternal instinct, we're worried if we go do that it's time away from this right like it's that either or of our life constant tension that we manage and I'll never forget bringing Helen Burns when I was devastated felt betrayed had poured you know some of this time into some leadership crisis and you know then they end up leaving or leaving a whole family you know however it works and I was devastated I felt like there was a cost on my kids for my leadership that I was saying yes to and stepping into. I rang Helen Burns from Australia 15 years ago, even because I think my babies were young. And I'm like, um, 
I'm doing this at the cost of my children. Like I'm doing this at the cost. And she just said to me over as only this Canadian mother of our nation can, she said, you're not doing it at the cost of your children. You're doing this for your children. You're doing this for your children. This is for them. You're building, you're co-laboring with Jesus in this way for their future, for what they're going to come into and I think that's the perfect, you know, I think if Helen was on the phone to any of our listeners today as they were wrestling out, should I, shouldn't I, can I, can't I, for all the various reasons, she would be saying it's for them that are going to come through it's, and it's for you, but it's for them. And so I think females need to hear more and more, this is about you and it's not just about you. It's for what God has on you and in you and for the lost, but it's also not just about them. It's about this next um, generation that needs to see men and women everywhere in this beautiful co-laboring. So I have to continually remind myself now, even with an 18-year-old, this is still for their future. Yeah, I love that so much because it's not about the flashy lights and the microphone. You guys are going to get tired of me saying this. Or the pulpit, none of that. Not the stage, none of it, none of it. It's at the end of the day, standing before God, can you look him in the eyes and say, I decided I wasn't going to do that because I didn't have the confidence to do it. Or what are you going to say? What kind of excuse are we going to tell him? I I just couldn't because my family needed me. Yes. He's going to say, yes, good job. That was great. Yes, you're, you, they needed you. Yes. But could you have hopped on Zoom and mentored somebody? Could you have uh, baked some muffins for someone up the street? Could you have like whatever? Sometimes he puts in this little nugget of like a dream that's within us or a little seed that's planted and we disqualify it so quickly and so I'd love the final thoughts to be pay attention to that because in Ephesians 2 his word says that he has made us his workmanship his handiwork there's so many different versions of this he's created us for like good works that he's prepared for us to do it's all about him right and so it's all then about us obeying those words, those works that he's put in there, those little seeds that he's put in there, fan that a little bit, pay attention to that. Um, I think my other, my other final thought was just know his word. Yeah. The word itself will convict you to move, yeah. to mobilize. You can't keep it. It's like, you can't keep it inside. You burns inside. You have to share it. It comes out. There's a fruit that comes out by having it planted. And so um, that would be my final, my final encouragement. There's works prepared that only you can complete. That he's planted us within in a certain place in a certain position. I can't complete what Vanessa's called to do. Vanessa can't complete what I'm called to do. Kathy's got her own lane to complete. Like, but we're all in it together as the church, as the body, as the temple. Together, we're living stones. Where we form the church together. It's never been about a building. We've all made it about the building. And now there's no building and he's like, go be the church. Mm-hmm. And so that's, there it is. Go be the church. Let's do this. Yeah. I love that. Thanks so much for not dumbing it down for us for saying, you know, reminding me, what's your excuse? God's going to be saying that to us. What's your excuse? And 
we have none really. It's just, you know, our own sense of, we just don't know him well enough, you know, to trust him with what he's given us. And so I've always known that your presence in our nation was really significant. And, and I just am so really just personally pleased to see you thriving. I know um, that even though we're a big country and we live across the country, literally from each other, we are really tied together, I think in missional alignment. And I just love to see all that you are about and your reason for being about that. You've, I think re just right-sized and rewrited some of our perceptions that needed, needed to be challenged about ourselves, our value, and mm -hmm. to tell our stories freely and with permission and to write ourselves a note about that. It's just been absolutely brilliant and a joy to be with you, Anne. Well, thanks, Kathy. Thank you, Vanessa. I love you girls. This is so wonderful. And I love Gather and where we're going. <laughs> so it's awesome. We but are going. We're going together. Um, and so you'll hear in the outro a lot more about Gather Voices, but we're just so excited and that you're going to be one of our guest coaches and giving input into some of the girls that are coming through. And really, it is about raising and releasing that female church uh, to be, you know, to be part of the flourishing of the church. And when you unleash us, boy, we're going to go like we're going to go. <laughs> and it is about the church. It always has been about the church and Jesus as the center, right? The cornerstone. So excited to be on this journey with you girls. And Anne, thanks so much for joining us again. And Vanessa, thanks for co-hosting with me. I love it that three of us are in a room. Yeah. And um, I love what we talk about before and what we'll talk about after, but this is just a joy that we get to do this all together. So thanks for, thanks for being here today. We trust that this conversation you were just a part of today on our podcast would really empower you in your sphere of influence to continue to strengthen your gorgeous, brilliant, phenomenal feminine voice and strength that you have to offer your spheres of influence. We are so excited about launching Gather Voices coaching cohort for summer all the way through to the rest of 2021 to really continue to coach and champion the female voice in the church and across our nation of Canada. Why don't you consider jumping on our wait list, looking at the information, praying into whether this is your time to take the next step and really continue to grow with your revelation that you beautiful woman of God have an opportunity to use your voice for the sake of the kingdom in new ways in new arenas maybe for the first time or maybe it's whole new levels of influence that you are believing God is entrusting you with in this season seriously girls revival will only happen when the female church awakens to usher in humanity's welcome home with your voice and your presence. So why don't you look at stepping into, investing into this space called Gather Voices with us for a six-month journey. Phenomenal guest uh, coaches are coming on, guest equippers. You're going to meet incredible girls across our nation online from wherever you are so that all different parts of this nation can be impacted with your voice. Consider joining us. Jump on to gatherwomen.com and have a look at all that is coming up 
in this movement that serves you and the call of God in your life.